Welcome to Faithbrook this morning. I'm Pastor Jim, and uh, you look like a hearty bunch of people. Yes, that's made it out on this very cool morning. Now, if you're watching us, you might not be hearty. You might be in the category of very wise, wise Minnesotans, but uh, worshiping with us through our, our live stream this morning. Well, if you are new to us or maybe you're watching for the first time, we want to just say thank you for checking us out and give us a chance just to love you and welcome you. One of the best things you can do, uh, if you'd be willing to trust us with your information, of taking this blue card out in front of you, filling that out with your name or some email, and then dropping that off at the end of the service in our, one of our offering boxes placed around the um, facility. We would love to get a thank you note out to you to say thank you for being our guest. And if you're willing to do that, we're willing to send $5 in your name to our local food shelf just to that you're one of our, our guests. Now, if you're watching us online, we'd love to know who you are. You can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. A form is going to drop down. Fill that out. And the same thing, we're going to just say, hey, thanks for being with us, worshiping in person or online. It's very important to it, especially... As we start the new year, it is 2022. What could God do in your life, in your family, in your circumstances in this coming year? In just a moment, Pastor Mike is going to be starting off a series called First Things First. And he's allowing me to have a little uh, study break in the month of January. Plus, uh, my wife and I are going to take a couple of days of vacation uh, as we prepare ourselves for the next series in February and March. So thank you, Pastor Mike. He'll be up in just a minute. Now here at Faithbrook, we really value um, and highly stress that we grow in our relationship with Christ. We want you to thrive with Christ. And one of the best ways you can do that, or one of the best tools that we can offer you is the Version app on your phone. You download this little app, and this is an incredible, powerful, convenient tool for you to spend some time in God's Word, His Bible, to nourish your soul and to learn about the life-giving truths that He gives. Now, what's really cool about the beginning of the year is that you can start a year Bible plan. For example, I'm starting to read the New Testament in Psalms and Proverbs uh, this year. And so it gives you these plans uh, in bite size so you can read virtually all the Bible. Some, some of you are reading the entire Bible in one year. In fact, there are Bible plans on the U version that you can read the entire Bible in three years. Okay, if you're a little slow and need some time, you can take three years. It's great. There's also plans in there that have some topical or some uh, relevant issues you're dealing with from three days to 10 days to, to three months. Uh, it's incredible. So we want to encourage you to download that, participate, especially a Bible plan for the new year. Now, also, you can have your friends or people in your life group say, hey, I'm doing this plan for 10 days or 30 days. You want to join me, and you can digitally enjoy, uh, invite them into your little plan. It's a great tool. We highly uh, recommend it. Well, uh, you're going to hear a little clip, see a little clip of that, and then Pastor Mike Delgallo is going to come, our Connections Pastor, and start the series for the new year. We're so glad that you're here. Well, as some of you may know, I am colorblind. Well, now the technical term is color deficiency, but I am, I'm actually uh, colorblind. And this is something that I found out when I was really young in kindergarten. You see, in uh, kindergarten, when I was uh, going, they would uh, take us into the nurse's office in uh, small groups of uh, me and my other peers, and we would 
I go through different tests, uh, mainly for sight, hearing, and one of them was for uh, color. Now, when I was in kindergarten, it was my first experience with a, a colorblindness test, and I had never seen it before, and when I walked away, I failed miserably. In fact, my classmates seemed to, uh, seemed to discover it, they seemed to do really well, but when I took it, I just failed, and not only did I fail, but I failed with them watching as uh, we're going through this test. Now, as I, as I failed this test, I would later come to find out that it was uh, something called a, uh, like an Ishara test. We'll see it up here. And uh, what an Ishara test is, is it tests to see different types of colorblindness. So not only if you are colorblind, but the types of colorblindness. Yes, there are different types of colorblindness. Now, as you look up at this uh, colorblindness test, uh, the ones on the left are what a, a normal person with normal vision is supposed to see. So you're supposed to be able to see some numbers in there and some things on the left-hand side. Now, the right-hand column, and the, the six over there, that's what I see. So when you look at that, that is what my vision is. Now, uh, for me, they look exactly the same. I couldn't tell you any difference between them. In fact, I see the 225s, those look great. The rest of it, it just, it all looks the same. It's all, all blurred. So that's, that's, that's me. So if you're sitting here right now and you're looking at that and you're seeing it how I'm seeing it, you don't see any numbers, I'll uh, go ahead and we can meet out uh, in the lobby after service and I can console you. Now, color deficiency, color deficiency is actually really fascinating as I've grown up with it. Uh, and uh, what it has to do, it has to do with the color cones in one's eye. Now, for uh, most people, they have uh, red, green, and blue cones in, in your lens. And what happens is the light comes through, and your brain then deciphers the color, and that's how you see colors, because of these cones in your eye. Well, for people with color deficiency or color blindness, their cones either are missing or they are fragmented. They're broken up, so when the light goes in, it gets all messed up, and the brain can't really distinguish between what's going on. So hence why when uh, I see things, it looks like just two of the same circles, or it looks just like blob, or even sometimes the colors look muted. Now, I don't know that, but that's just how, how things look. And so hence why I have this color confusion. Now, while most of you in here will not struggle with color deficiency, I always find it fascinating showing people this kind of a, a test and letting people see because it brings a whole new level of understanding. You know, maybe, maybe you don't have color deficiency issues, but maybe uh, you or someone you know has vision issues, and, and you know that the only way that you're actually going to be able to correct that is through having different lenses. Now, even uh, whether you can see colors or you can't see uh, your nearsighted or farsighted, uh, beyond that, I think most of us uh, struggle uh, with seeing even metaphorically. I think there's, a, uh, there's an issue with uh, a lot of us that we can struggle with even seeing things and uh, looking in how we live our lives. And what we, uh, what we recognize is that we each see differently, we each have different perspectives, and those are all colored by our uh, circumstances in our life. May that be our life experiences, maybe it's the people that we're around or even the culture, but all those things affect the things and how we see and how we perceive life. And what we know is that even though we see the world differently, it, it gives us a different perspective. And the way we see ultimately affects how we live, for better or worse. And I think some of us, some of us are, are thriving despite how we're seeing, how, how we see life and how we go that. But a lot of us might be in a, in a place where we're spinning our wheels. We find that no matter what we're doing, we, we find that in life there isn't much happening. We might find that uh, might even be seeing a lack of fulfillment. And maybe uh, even asking a question, is this it to life? Is, is, there, is there more to this? Now, the thing to think for us is, is that to ask ourselves, is it possible to, that our perspective affects our fulfillment in life? Uh, or we're just left for wanting more.
Well, welcome to Faithbrook Church in this new year. Uh, my name is Mike Delgallo, as you heard earlier, and we are uh, going in and kicking off this new year strong as we are kicking off this brand new series called First Things First. This is all about learning how to get a new perspective. Uh, and what we're going to find is throughout the series that perspective is everything, and what we, what we see affects how we live. And because of that, we must learn to put first things first. Well, 2022 here, uh, just by a show of hands, how many have uh, already set your New Year's resolutions and goals for the year? Has anybody taken time to do that yet? No one. Wow, that is pretty incredible. Wow, zero. Wow, and let's, uh, let's just pretend. Let's pretend you've already done it. Okay, so those of you online, I'm sure you set your, your goals and priorities. Well, Faithbrook apparently doesn't set any goals or priorities, so good for us, I guess. Well, for, the, uh, for everyone else, uh, most, people, most people set goals. They set uh, resolutions for the year. They set things out. You know, they might be things such as lose weight. Maybe you want to save a certain amount of money. Uh, you know, there's a lot, a, lot of different, um, a lot of different goals that uh, one can set. Uh, you have different types of goals that uh, you might set, maybe individual, maybe with a family, uh, different things. But um, over the last couple of years, there's been studies been shown that uh, before the months end, 70% of people will have given up on their goals. Maybe that's why you didn't set your goals in the first place, because you knew you wouldn't get it. I'm sorry. Well, for the few, the few of us, the few of us, I guess I'm the only one, for the few of us who set out to accomplish our, our goals, I think what ends up happening is we find ourselves in the same place as the people who don't accomplish their goals. You see, for those that do succeed, they set some great goals, and they're good things. We get to the end of the year, you succeed it, but it ends up falling just a little short. So sure, you, you succeeded in your goal. Sure, you accomplished it. But you're just kind of left wanting. It's just kind of a sense of a lack of fulfillment. So you made the goal, but checked it off. So your type A personality is like, yeah, I did that. And for those who didn't set goals or those who didn't reach their goals, they are left saying, man, I can't do anything in life. I'm a complete failure. And they, they, uh, they both end up asking themselves the same question. They say, what, what am I doing? Is there, is there more to life? Now, this kind of question isn't just asked at the end of every year, but this is a question that has been asked for millennia. Is there more to life? Is there more to what we have? And uh, there's even a, a, a great book uh, written about uh, f- having a fulfillment by, uh, by a pastor and uh, author, Rick Warren. He created a whole book about uh, living out uh, what we have and uh, living for something bigger than ourselves. And what we find is that if we, if we don't have fulfillment, we find that, we find that life is lacking, and I think the, part of the reason for this is that we find ourselves living through life, uh, looking through various lenses. And as I mentioned earlier, these, these, uh, our lenses are shaped by our, li- our circumstances that happen in life. This could be life experiences, again. It could be the people that we surround ourselves with, our friends, our family, and even the culture in which we, we live. And because of that, that really affects how, how we see and it affects how we, how we live. And what we find is, is that how we see changes how we live. Now, what if, what if we could change how we see? Is it possible that God has something better for us? Is it possible that God has something for us that can radically change our perspective? Now, I think uh, we might all know someone in our lives that uh, needs to have their glasses prescription changed every so often because uh, over time, as the eyes uh, continue to fail, they uh, they need to have your prescription changes because if you don't, you you don't see clearly. And so with that, we know people who need to have their lenses adjusted. Now, what if God were to give us something 
that were to, to renew this perspective? What if we could see something that we could see a little clearer? What if one that didn't, wasn't uh, shaped by our circumstances, that a perspective wasn't uh, influenced by that, but it was influenced by something else, that we can live despite our circumstances? You know, what if we were to set our life and trajectory on one that God has for us, not driven by circumstance? Well, I got great news. I got great news for everyone because God does have something for us. He does want to give us a purpose in our life. He does want to uh, renew our perspective. And in that, he wants to be able to uh, give us a a purpose that we can have a fulfilling life in, in him. And so what we're going to see for this whole series is that we're going to find that when we are able to put first things first, we fulfill our purpose. When we put first things first, we fulfill our purpose. Now, the type of purpose I'm, I'm talking about here is a, a general purpose that God has for us. There's a, there can be a general purpose and a specific purpose. A general purpose is one that applies to everyone who uh, is in Christ, and a specific purpose would be uh, more individually, uh, such as being a missionary or uh, something of the sort, a, a, a specific calling. Now, I think sometimes uh, a lot of uh, people, as they come to new, in, those are new in faith, they don't know what to do. So they, kind of, they said yes to Jesus, and you say, yeah, this is great, but now what? And you have this question, of, okay, what's next? What am I supposed to do? And for some of us who are seasoned Christians, we, we're living through life, and, and we have uh, maybe this question of, man, what, what purpose does God have for me? We have this question of, okay, what, what does God have? And maybe we're asking even specific questions. Does God want me to do X, Y, or Z? Does he have me do this? Maybe we're even asking the question of, what shirt should I wear today? Uh, what, uh, when you go to the store and you go to the produce stand, you're asking, man, what, what fruit should I pick? Now, while these questions uh, can be good, we're not going to focus more on specific purpose. We're, for this series, we're going to uh, focusing on general purpose. So we're going to kind of go down to the basics a bit, and we're going to talk more about what is the general purpose that God has for us in our life. And we're going to find that this purpose is really going to help us to uh, put first things first. But we find that if we don't have a purpose, if we don't have this, we, we cannot change a perspective. We cannot do this. But when we have a purpose, it gives us perspective, and we're able to see things differently. We're able to live differently because how we see things affects how we live. But it's really hard. I think we can all agree it's really, really hard to live out God's purpose for us when we might not even know what it is. And I think part of the tension is we have a desire, we want to know, but we just don't know what that is. And it's hard to get clarity when, uh, when we're driven by our circumstances in our, in our life, our life events, the people and the culture around us. And that's why, that's why it's so important to get first things first, because living out a purpose affects how we live. Now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this is not just a problem uh, that we go through today. This is something that mankind has been uh, going through for all of millennia. And even the early Christians were, were struggling through this. They had this question as, as well. Uh, and, uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a majority of the New Testament. He wrote a letter to the Romans. And I think he can give us a little wisdom on what purpose looks like. And in this letter to the Romans, he, he writes this to give them uh, a base sense of uh, what theology is, like who God is, what is sin, who is Christ. Uh, the uh, atonement on the cross, all these kinds of things. And he does this to give them a, a general understanding of theology, of, of what, in, uh, what they believe and why it's so important. 
But like you and me, and like the Romans, we, we might not know much about the Jewish history. We might not know much about uh, the, uh, the Old Testament. We might have a limited knowledge. And these Romans, they, they didn't know much about uh, Judaism either. They had a very limited knowledge of it. So Paul writes this to kind of bring them up to speed of what, uh, what the Old Testament, how it all accumulates and what it means for them. And he writes that even for us today. And he comes up all the way to this uh, chapter 12. And uh, he comes to this point where he realizes that the theology that he has established, the, what, he, what you know is really important. He says, okay, it's great that you have a theology. I've established this for you. But, what's, uh, but it's also important that you know what your purpose is and how to live this out and how it's going to bring fulfillment in your, in your life. And he, uh, and he says this. So he comes to chapter 12 and he, he basically says, Here's the theology, you got it established, but if you were to, to live out what to have, to God wants you to do, what is your purpose? He says, here's a few things. I'm gonna give you a few things to live out your purpose so that you can have a fulfilled life and that you are living in a way that is honoring to God. And he writes this in Romans 12 too. He says, if, if you do these few things, if you do these few things, he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, I'm going to give you a few things. If you, give, if you do these few things, you're, you're going to be able to live out God's purpose, and you will be able to live in a way that uh, is able to uh, shape and uh, change your life and live radically. Because we find that it's, uh, it's, this purpose drives perspective. We find that when we have purpose, we have perspective, and that ultimately affects our lives. So when we are able to put these first things first, if you put, do these first things, if you do that, we will fulfill our purpose. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this first part uh, over the next four weeks. We're going to have four parts, and we're going to look at the first part today of what, uh, what is it, what's the first thing we can do to help live out our purpose and fulfill our purpose. And even uh, a lot of the ways, this first week is so important because it lays a foundation for the rest of the weeks. If uh, we can't get this, then the next four weeks are going to be difficult. So this is a really, really important thing for us in, uh, in our series. So the question is, okay, how do we put first things first? How can we learn uh, what God's purpose for our life is? What is that? Well, let's go ahead and go to our text in Romans 12. If, uh, if you were listening to Pastor Jim's uh, host moment, he told you about downloading the YouVersion Bible app. If uh, that is something that I use every day, and I love it, so you can go to Romans 12 there. Maybe you have an analog Bible you can go to, and you can turn to Romans 12 uh, there as well. But we're going to go ahead and start in verse 1. And Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, he, he, as I mentioned earlier, he wrote 11 chapters before that. And so he says, therefore. Now, whenever you see a therefore, the joke is it's there for a reason. And in this case, it really does live up to its name. And he's saying, in light of everything that I have written in the past 11 chapters, he says, in light of everything that I have written, he says, you've got to listen up. The next things are really, really important. He says, I urge you. I urge you, brothers and sisters. He says, I urge you guys. This is so important. And... There's a sense of uh, uh, urgency here. He says, you've got to get this. He says, you've got to understand this because it's going to be really important as you live out your life. He says, it's really important. And he says, in view of God's mercy. He says, in, in view of what God has done for us, in view of God's mercy, because of his great mercy towards us. You see, in the first 11 chapters, he, he talks about how Christ had died on the cross for our sins and what that means and how he, uh, how he reconciled the relationship. This is such an important thing for us to know and understand because before Christ, our relationship with God was broken. 
And because of Christ, because Christ came down and lived a perfect life and because he died on the cross for our sins and resurrected, that means that we too can resurrect and have new life in him as well. He says this is so important. And because of God's such great mercy for us, we are now reconciled. And he, it's really important that we understand the, the cross here as well, because the cross really shapes everything for us and what we believe. You know, a lot of Catholics, we recognize that they have, uh, they have their crucifix, but uh, they have one that has Jesus on the cross. And for Protestants, uh, we have an empty cross, much like the one that is behind me. And this is, a, I, I think sometimes we, we can get in an argument over which one it's supposed to be. And I think sometimes we just got to sit right in the middle that both are important. Both reveal God's great mercy because when we look at the, the Catholic cross, what we, what we see is what Christ has done for us. We see that, that Christ was willing, we see the love, and we see the mercy of the Father that he was willing to send his son on the cross. And when we see the empty cross, it reminds us uh, Christ defeated death. We, we, we remember the resurrection and what great love that God has done for us. So Paul says, so now in light of this, in light of what God has done, this is your response. And he continues uh, in verse 1. He says, he says, you are to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, one that's holy and pleasing to God. Now, this idea of offering your, offering your body as a sacrifice, when they hear of offering, they, they uh, would have been understood of offering a sacrifice. And uh, the culture uh, that was not uh, far removed from this idea of uh, offering sacrifices. And for Jews uh, and for Judaism, they uh, would offer sacrifices for, for sins and other things. So the idea of offering a sacrifice was not far removed. In fact, even if you were uh, a Roman living at that time and you weren't Jewish, you would have known of the Jews who do their sacrifices, you would have understood that they offer sacrifices to their God. So they, they understood this idea of offering a sacrifice and that this idea that there was a life for a life. So they, they understood this concept. And, and what, uh, what Paul is saying is that you are to be the sacrifice. You are the one to offer yourself. You are to give yourself on to, uh, to, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, not one that's dead, but one that lives on, that we are to give of ourselves to God. Now, sometimes when we think of, uh, we can think of this idea of offering. Sometimes uh, we, we think of uh, maybe presenting ourselves to a situation. Uh, maybe, maybe there's a friend who, who needs help. Maybe there's a friend who is, uh, needs to move. And you got a pickup truck and you say, hey, uh, you offer to help. Hey, do you want help? But the real thing is we're thinking in the back of our minds like, oh, I hope they don't say yes. Right? Now, this is not the kind of offer that Paul's talking about. He's saying Yes, no, you would offer yourself. That your whole life that you would, when you actually offer, hey, can I help you move, you actually mean it. And that you're actually going to uh, give yourself and you're actually going to give of yourself to actually move. And in the same way, this is what Paul is saying is that you actually mean it. You're going to give of yourself and offer, offer yourself. And, and this, uh, this really neat idea is that we're, not only would we be a living sacrifice, we are to be holy, now, this word holy uh, can sometimes be a churchy word. Uh, we might not, uh, sometimes it loses the definition because we, we, may, we don't use it a lot. Uh, we don't really uh, use it in common vernacular. But holy means is to be set apart. It means to be set apart from everything around you. And what, what Paul is saying is that, that God is really calling us to be holy. And he's saying to offer your wholeness. He's saying not only to be offered in holiness with an H, so be, be holy and separate, but he's saying offer your whole self with a W. So not only be holy, set apart, but offer all of yourself to God. He's, he's saying to, to give all of you. 
He's saying that as, as we do this, as we offer our whole self, as we offer everything we have to God, he says, he says it's supposed to be pleasing to him, that everything that we're to do is to be pleasing to God. And he wraps up this verse and he says, and this is your true and proper worship. You see, what, he, what he's getting at is that worship isn't about just showing up to a temple, offering your sacrifices, leaving for the day. What he's saying is worship is an everyday experience. Worship is something that we do with our entire lives. And I, and I don't want us to miss this. Worship, worship is great. I love that we come and gather. I love that we, we get to sing songs and we get to uh, hear a, a message every week and we get to be encouraged. I love worshiping God in that way. But it's not supposed to stop on, on the, the holy day of Sunday. What Paul is really getting at, he's saying, no, the worship, worship is every day. Worship is everything that you do in your life. It's, it's everything. He says, that is true and proper worship. And so what he's saying is, he says, you need to offer yourselves to God. And the point he's saying is that you need to offer yourself to God. He says in every, uh, he writes in the letter to, to the Corinthians, a, a different letter. He, he says, everything that you do, he says, everything you're to do, you're to give glory to God. Every single aspect of our life and of our, of our bodies here is to be offered up as a sacrifice to God. Everything is to give glory. And it's this idea of even thinking of, of uh, things in our mind, things that we think about, things of our body, even things of our, our spirit. Everything we are to do is to be offered up to God. You know, maybe for us today, if you were to think about your own life, you know, are there activities or uh, think of the things you partake in, maybe your hobbies? You know, does it, uh, does it bring glory to God? Is it something that you're doing to praise him or is it something that is just selfish and for yourself and self-glorifying? And Paul is challenging us on this question of how are you living your life? How are you offering yourself? Is it for yourself? Are you doing it so you get praise or is it so that God gets glory? So he doesn't stop there. He continues in verse 2. He says, he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. And this idea of, of conforming is meaning to take on the, the shape or the mold of, a, of another. Uh, it's even taken, uh, he's talking really about your mind and your character. And it's really about being shaped by uh, those around you. And he, he's saying, uh, don't, be, don't be replicating yourself, uh, yourself after something else. He's saying, don't be shaped by the things around you. Don't be conforming yourself even to the, uh, the pattern of this world. And the pattern of this world is the culture. He says, don't, don't be subject to those things. He says, despite those things going on, don't, don't conform to what the world says. He says, but, this is what he says. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's, he's saying, well, first, don't conform to what the world has. He says, but be transformed. And this word transform is really cool. It's this, uh, it's this word metamorphosis. And it's uh, this picture of what, uh, what a caterpillar goes through in, uh, when it becomes a butterfly. That whole idea of being completely changed, completely renewed. It's no longer, a butterfly is no longer a caterpillar. It is now a butterfly. It's a whole new creation. And so he says, we are to be transformed. We're to be completely new. We're to be completely new people by the renewing of our mind. And, he, and what he's talking here is, is uh, this is really uh, our, our thinking, our, our perceiving, our, our feeling, our judging, our intellectual, um, our understanding, even our spiritual reason uh, of knowing what good and evil is, even uh, of considering and, and judging others. And, and so what he's saying is, saying you, need to, uh, you need to be renewing your mind. You need to renew your mind. He says, with everything, everything that was written in these first 11 chapters, he says, you know about God. He says, but, uh, but you should, this information should change you. 
Everything that you know, all the theology that you have, everything that I've written you, this information should change you. The things of Christ should change you. It should change how you live. It should change the way you act, even change the way you think. And if we, if we don't, uh, didn't know this, but the way we think really does affect how we live as, as well. And I, I think one of the best ways that we, when we think about uh, renewing our, our minds, we, we obviously ask the question, okay, what's that look like? And I think uh, earlier we heard what Pastor Jim said is a, a great way to renew your mind is to be in God's word every day. Now, I, I think sometimes we, we look at that book and it's thick and you don't even, sometimes you don't even know where to start. Uh, even you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and I mean, there are so many good things there. I mean, basically you can close your eyes and tap something and it'll be good. Now, here's the thing, that, that it can be so overwhelming, and, uh, and so most of the time what we do is we just close it, p- keep it on the table, and say, I don't want to touch that, I don't know where to stop, I'm overwhelmed. But here, here's the encouraging thing is, renewing your mind doesn't have to mean uh, an immediate transformation overnight. Sometimes it happens, but he, he's saying, no, like, uh, this idea of renewing is a, is, it's a renewing. It's not be renewed, but it's renewing. That means it's a continual process. So over time, over time, our minds are going to be renewed, that we're going to be continually made new in Christ and shaped in his image. And the best way for that is in being in God's word. And I, I just want to encourage that one of the, the easiest and best ways to, to be in God's word every day if, uh, is through the YouVersion Bible app. And there's even a, a great thing called the verse of the day. This is something that I have uh, subscribed to. And every day I get a, a little notification that comes up on my phone. In fact, I don't even have to open the Bible app. It just comes right up on my phone. It's one of the first things I see. And I am able to have that word of the day, the verse of the day. I'm able to have that. And even that just little snippet has been a habit for me to, to be able to be in God's word every single day that I get a verse. I'm able to uh, allow that to shape and transform my mind for the day. And it sets a course for everything that I, I do. And so what we find is that when we, when we ultimately alter, uh, when we offer our whole selves, when we offer ourselves and we, we renew our minds, what we find is that fulfilling our purpose starts with loving God holistically. Fulfilling our purpose starts with loving God holistically. You see, in, in all things, no matter what we're doing, in all things that we do, we are to love God wholly, with a W. We're to love God fully, wholly. You see, in far, part of living out our purpose, part of the things that he calls for us to, to do and our purpose of uh, living for him is to love him, is to love him with all we are, not just with our minds, not just uh, in rote action, but in everything that we do, we are to bring him glory, honor, our, honor and praise, because fulfilling our purpose starts with loving God holistically. Now, I realize as we, we say this, and maybe you let this ruminate in your mind for a bit, that's uh, it can be easier said than done a lot of times. And I think part of the struggle, part of the struggle that we have is a lot of us live compartmentalized lives. And so what I mean by that is that we have our, our life uh, happening, our, our Monday through Saturday things, and then we have Sunday. And, and what happens is we have compartmentalized uh, life. And so we have things such as, you know, family time. We ha- have soccer practice. We might have uh, other activities that go on. Maybe go to life group. And then we have uh, God things that, that happen. And because of this carp- compartmentalization, faith is just a thing we do, not the thing we do. And, and, and what, what Paul's really getting at here is that our, our faith and our love for God can't just be a thing we do. It has to be the thing that we do. And part of his purpose for us is to love him with our entirety. Again, as I said, in, uh, as he wrote to Corinthians, with everything that you do, everything that you do, our aim is to please God. 
So as we're um, wrapping up here and we're thinking about what does this look like? Now, some of us have been, uh, have been Christians for a long time, and maybe you're, maybe you're doing a great job in this, and I want to I encourage you and say, man, keep on. Keep on. Keep on, keep on living in such a way. But maybe there's some of us, maybe some of us are struggling uh, with this. So I want to ask, uh, ask you, no matter where you're at, if you're struggling or maybe you've been doing it for a long time, to, to constantly renew and ask yourself this question. How can you take a step? How can you take a step in loving God holistically? So as you think about the different areas of your life, as you think about your relationship with God, you think about your relationship with your family, as you think about work, maybe recreation and the fun and the hobbies that you have, what would it look like to take a step to love God holistically? You see, the things that that consume us, the things that we're doing constantly, are they things that are bringing glory to God? Are they things that are done to, to please Him? And I think as we come into this new year, as we're thinking about these new goals and habits, and maybe, uh, maybe you're going to set uh, New Year's resolutions, maybe you are going to set some goals for this year, I want to encourage you to be thinking about, okay, what, what does God actually have for me as we live out our purpose, as we take a step in living this out? How does that then shape our, our goals and our resolutions for the year. And I would hope that they would really help shape them and give dramatic change to what they do. Because when we have a purpose and we know what that is, that really drives the things that we do and how we live our lives. And if we, if we can get this, if we understand this, then taking the next couple of weeks, build upon what we are uh, living in and understanding and really can take next steps to, to really have a, a life that is uh, a fulfillment. And that is Paul's urgency. That's his urgency, is that if we're going to figure out, if we're going to figure out this purpose, if we're going to figure out what it is to live for him, we've got to understand this, and then we can take the next steps to follow. And so maybe today, maybe today you're sitting there, and you need to make a spiritual decision. Maybe you've been living in such a way where you haven't given yourself wholly to God. Maybe you've been living in a place where you just show up on Sundays. Maybe uh, your faith is just a thing you do, not the thing. And uh, maybe, maybe you need to make a, a spiritual decision. Maybe you need to get a godly perspective. And, and maybe uh, you need to uh, take a step of faith and say, God, I, I want to live holy and I want to live completely for you. And when we can understand this and when we can take steps to learning how to live our life for God and all the things that we do, it really does shape the other areas of our life. And when we learn to put first things first, we really can start living out, we can start living out our purpose, and we really can change our perspective, which really does affect the way we live. You see, for me, I, I have been colorblind my whole life. I, I don't know any different, and it's just, it's just a way that, that I, it's been. And sure, it affects some things. You know, maybe I mismatch clothes, and my wife will make fun of me, um, and then she'll tell me to change because it looks terrible, or sometimes she doesn't, and I show up here, and Pastor Taylor and Pastor Jim just laugh at me. So, it's true. So, maybe that happens, but... The, the biggest thing is, despite those circumstances, despite those things that I, I cannot change, despite that, what is the bigger purpose for my, for my life? Am I, do I under, have a purpose and understanding in which that, sure, I have colorblindness, but that really affect me? Is that really uh, going to shape everything, or is there really a purpose that God has for me that's going to live beyond even the deficiencies that, that I may have? And I think until we know our purpose, we cannot change our perspective and so fulfilling our purpose starts with loving God holistically. So how different, how different would your everyday life look if everything we did was done to aim and to please God? 
Imagine putting these first things first. Imagine putting God first in your life. Imagine what kind of impact that would have. Maybe, with, uh, maybe just your relationship with God. Imagine how that would change. Imagine how that would trickle to the family members that see you. Maybe if you have young kids, how, how they would see how mom and dad are uh, growing in their, their relationship with Jesus. How would that affect your, your marriage? How would that affect maybe even though your coworkers, your bosses? Uh, maybe even uh, just in your hobbies and the things that you do and the people you interact with. And I think, I think what would happen is when we learn to put first things first, it would bleed into every area of our lives and it would be a dramatic shift. And not only would we see a change in our life, but we could see a dramatic change even in our community. We could, be, we could be a church who really does exist to love God and we can really bring glory to him in all that we do. Because when we put first things first, our lives are fulfilled because uh, when we fulfill our purpose, that gives us this new perspective. And we have a new perspective that changes the way we live. So as we, as we go today, let's go ahead and stand together. I'd love to, to pray over us as we, as we go. Uh, it's because there, there is some, uh, a lot to chew on and uh, to be able to process and to, to go through. And uh, with this, we do want to approach God. So let, let, us, let us pray. So Jesus, we, we thank you so much. We, we thank you so much for, for going to the cross for our sins. We thank you so much that, that you've been resurrected, that we, we can have new life in you, and that our relationship with the Father is reconciled. We, we thank you. We thank you for that, and out of that, may our response be one that we offer our lives wholly unto you. May not only we uh, offer our lives to you, but may you renew our minds. May, uh, may we take steps to, to be encouraged, to, to live out our purpose for you, to be able to uh, glorify you in the things that we do. May our, may our life really be one that is fulfilled because we know that we are honoring you in the things that we do. And our life, in turn, really, does, uh, really is a shining light. And that others may see the things that we are doing, that they see our love and our, uh, the way that we're treating our families and our coworkers, and the, the way that we live really impacts everything else. And they, too, might be impacted by what you're doing in and through us. So God, may, may you encourage us this week. May you, may you lead us, may you guide us. And all these things we ask in your name, amen. Well, I hope you have a great and uh, start the new year and hope you have a great week. I'll see you later. God bless. <laughs>